0: So my advice what I've seen recently is turn up as yourself whether that's through a podcast or writing something on Facebook or just talking to somebody in the grocery store turn up as yourself and people will know what they need from you and you don't have to have a list of services or whatever they just like but and the people who come are perfect for you because they're coming to you not to your business name or not to your anonymous blog or whatever but they are coming to you.
1: and welcome to the coaching life podcast where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. As I've said many times on this podcast, one of the beautiful things about this profession is the diversity of coaches and their work. And today I'm talking with someone who's all about well-being and all aspects of that. There's a, there's a really lovely invitation on her business Facebook page, which says, um, come here to laugh and learn how to reconnect with your inner GPS and common sense to achieve your greatest level of health, happiness, and human potential. I mean, I think that's a really beautiful invitation. And I've seen her talking about one of my favorite books, actually, um, that I think has inspired um, a lot of the work she does now. It's actually the book I've probably gifted the most to other people. Um, and we'll, we'll come to that. So let's dive in. A big warm welcome. Hello, Karen DeMocco.
0: Hello, Phil Carter. So nice to meet you. <laughs> and that's actually not true i met you for about 15 minutes before you hit record so that's that's obviously i'm starting off at disingenuous
1: a whole 15 (laughs) minutes wow well so let's start where i always like to start um can you tell us a bit about your journey yeah into what it is you do now how did you end up doing the work that you do now
0: okay let's see pick a point pick a place um We'll start. It, we'll we'll just dive right into. It's like the opening of a credit. You know, opening of a movie. There's this woman uh, in a puddle of snot and tears on the floor of her master bedroom closet, surrendering to, uh, and don't don't even know who to surrender to because it's not God anymore. That was taken away from me. Right. Like so. There was this. This that was my radical remission moment. But what led up to that was, um, I, I was. My mom likes to joke that she had four sons and Karen was the only one who grew boobs. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the youngest of four and I have three older brothers and they were my, my heroes and my friends and I I was, you know, I was often mistaken for a little boy until I grew boobs. Um, and even then, but um, it was they were very athletic my whole family is you know entrepreneurs and athletes and academics and very smart and and it was for me it was a lot to keep up with mm-hmm. and I, somewhere along the line, I got the message. You know, some of the earliest scars of my, the deepest scars of my childhood were because these heroes would leave me behind because I was the not cool little sister. So somewhere in my mind, I went, oh, I don't want to be left behind. You know, that that's painful. I don't want to feel like I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to hang with them. So that belief, I can't be left behind, had babies. So in order, and for me, in order to not be left behind, I have to be thin. I have to be pretty. I have to be witty. I have to be that, you know. And in order to do those, those things had babies. And I had this whole list of things that I, boxes I needed to check every day in order to not be left behind. So I became a nurse because I wanted my mom to like me. And she told me to, And you know, walking down the beach with her. Spring break of my senior year in high school. She has an identical twin sister, right? So they're, they're flanking me. What do you want to I got into I got into college, and what do you want to do, Karen? I'm like, well, I'd really like to be a writer. Um uh, and they looked at each other kind of like a snowing glance, like <sighs> you know, like nice try. But Karen, you know, in order to be a writer, you have to be a really good writer. And, you know, that's a we love what you write, you know, it's a great hobby to have, but it, you know, why don't you become a nurse? We're nurses and we love it and it's a great career to have with kids and I didn't ever really want to be a nurse and I actually didn't even ask myself if I wanted kids, but I'm like, well, (laughs) they'll feel good if I'm a nurse and have kids, so I'm going to do that so I won't be left behind, you know? So like, just my whole life was about being somebody else for everybody else in order to not be left behind. Now, fast forward about 37 years, I had spent so much of my life in fear of being left behind And now it's not just as a sister and a daughter and a friend. It's as a wife and a mother. Mm -hmm. You know, don't get behind the other moms. You know, you got to sign your kids up for their Shakespearean pottery performance classes, just like all the other moms do, so, you know, your kids aren't left behind, because, you know, that would be even more tragic than you being left behind. So all this pressure and trying to keep up and all these layers and layers of the masks we wear, the mom mask, the wife masks, you know. And trying to maintain that made me so sick. Oh, and and lifelong eating disorders, right? Because I have to be thin. I have to be a certain weight in order to not be left behind, you know? So that was a, so by the time I was 37, I'd already been a nurse for a long time. And that was, I spit myself out of the system and started my own business in private patient advocacy. And I was trying to maintain that business while being riddled with, eating disorders, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, oh, Lyme disease, you got Lyme disease now, right? And hiding all of this stuff because I can't let the fatigue get to me because then I'll be left behind, right? And there was this moment, now now coming back to the puddle of snot and tears moment, was, I can't do it anymore. It was just a moment like, I, I just can't do it anymore. And I actually thought that if I put these masks down then I would die. I don't know where that belief came from, but like, that, i would be left behind and that would kill me but there was this moment i was just okay with it i'm just going to be left behind you know my husband's going to divorce me my parents are going to disown me my kids are going to hate me and but they were already the kids who showed up on halloween and they're the only ones without a halloween costume cuz i couldn't remember what day it was mm-hmm. you know we were i was already showing up at the mall with them and it would be like I'd wake up out of this fog, my brain fog. My deme- I had, like, dementia. It was so bad. I'd, like, wake up at the mall with my three young children and go, how did we get here? Like, really scary symptoms, you know? I, I would lose the ends of moments. I was so sick and so, oh, fuck it, you know? I'm just going to be left behind. And I walked around in this cloud of just, I wouldn't say blissed out it was just like absolute peace and relief that I didn't I put all of this burden down and I remember about it was I don't remember if it was days days or a couple weeks later but I remember driving in my car by the way nothing about my life had changed except for me you know not trying so hard you know um but I remember driving in my car and looking at the clock and it was three o'clock p.m. and that was usually the time I was like narcoleptic You know, I had to, like, drive with my prying my eyes open and the windows open and the music blaring just to stay awake while I'm picking my kids up from school. That's safe, right? Um, But I remember looking at the clock and going, oh, my God, I'm not tired. And, oh, my God, I haven't forgotten anything. And nobody's left me. And I'm better. Like, I'm better. And so that was my personal moment of, like, awakening to this. I've been living running scared my whole life. And oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about food, right? The measure of white knuckle control I had on my eating disorders that would keep me, you know, I couldn't go too high on the scale because that means I would be left behind. I couldn't go low because I've, you know, this has almost killed me a couple times. So I'd stay in this very knuckle, white knuckle control to stay in this very narrow window of safety. But in that moment in my car, I was like, I haven't even thought about food. Like, it was just this, wow, what happened? And um, so that was the moment for me. And it was around that time, because I'd I'd gone to school through the University of Arizona, this, this patient advocacy program where I learned about functional and integrative medicine, and all these fancy terms like epigenetics and nutrigenomics and systems biology, basically, um, a more, it points to the root cause of illness or what a lot of people think is the root cause of illness, you know, looking at your gut biome and, and your environment, your, your, a lot of your external environment and lifestyle and that kind of thing. So I had helped a couple of people in my practice of that and, um, was started to get invited to speak in corporations because the people I helped were, you know, CEOs or, or, you know, um, human resources, kind of administrative people. And I want this for my staff, I want this for my family. So so I found myself going around and lecturing about what I've come to fondly call the broccoli dialogue. You know, how to eat, how to rest, how to exercise, how to tick all these boxes in your life so that you're not sick. Meanwhile, not saying, oh, that, I didn't do any of that, right? But I didn't see it yet. And I read Anita Morjani, picked up Anita Morjani's book no. dying to be me and i read it in a day at stoplights like i couldn't put it down and it was like oh my god like what happened there like the woman's cancer went away basically overnight and she didn't change her diet and she didn't start an exercise program she actually stopped meditating. I think she used to <laughs> meditate like a motherfucker, right? And she ate to more chocolate ice cream off.
1: as well. I think for sure, yeah. yeah.
0: To ward off cancer that she was so afraid of, like my being left behind, and that was part of her story too. But yeah. I saw myself in this whole book, and and it kind of hit me like, oh my god, that's what happened. No, it wasn't cancer, but you know, it was eating disorders and chronic fatigue and and pain and. Dementia and all this stuff got better when I just put the mask down. And you took it. A- uh,
1: well, because I'm curious, really, you know, when we look back at these things, we, there, everyone listening to this will be able to reflect on times that they have put themselves through hell in life. Like, we've all done that. And pretty much always through misunderstanding, Uh, maybe always right maybe absolutely always through misunderstanding we be it put ourselves in a box or believe that we have to be a certain way and put so much effort into being somebody I wonder to what extent whilst you were in the mire of all of that to what extent do you think you were aware that you
0: were doing that I, I think I was very aware, but I was too afraid to put it down. Mm-hmm. Like, because because I actually believed, you know, that, that I would be left behind or people wouldn't like me. You know, that was such a big fear of not being, of somebody seeing through my mask and seeing who I really am. I'd rather they not like the mask than, you know. But I yeah, I, I think I was always aware of it. Mm-hmm. I remember, feel like I even remember thinking, You know, in my relationship with my husband, like, knowing, God, I can't, I can't do this the rest of my life. You know, like, the things that I would, I don't want to say succumb to, but, and even the word subordinate myself to, but, like, you know, we moved around a lot, and there was often, I I didn't want to move, but I had to be the all-go-no-quit, them see you sweat all american girl that I thought he married, right? And so... I would go along with it and not, because I was so afraid of not being that mask or him seeing through that, I actually don't want to do this and I actually want to ask for help. And knowing in my head, God, I can't do this for the rest of my life, but I'll keep it up until I see something new. I'll keep it up for now. But now, whenever that comes in my mind where I see, when I have that feeling like, I can't do this for the rest of my life, and it only makes then it only makes sense to not do it for one more day. Love that. Does does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. A little bit? I love that.
1: Love that. And and you I think you were gonna expand really um, a little more on the on the aha moment from Anita's book.
0: Yeah, so when I when I saw that, um, and and I didn't see so John L. Makadam and I did a study in two thousand seventeen because he had chronic fatigue and yeah. and I had chronic fatigue and we both kind of had these the the deeper we saw what we were doing to ourselves, the quicker we got better. And so we started to help other people. Now he saw it very purely, what was going on. Mine was all mixed up in the muck and the mire of neurotransmitter tests. And so these other skills that an expertise that I've developed you know my functional medicine and so it was always like oh well I work with the mind and body the mind-body connection as I you know he saw it so purely no it was just the mind and I'm like well yeah but you know supplements and nutrition and neurotransmitter testing and rebalancing all that and you know and and then he kind of you know he pointed out to me yeah but they're also working with you and what you understand, and you're giving way too much credit. Now this is not exact his exact words, but over time and conversations, this is me paraphrasing what I saw from him. He's like, you're totally discounting that they're working with you and what you've seen and giving way too much credit to the supplements and the neurotransmitter testing and all that. I'm like, all right, maybe, you know, um, but over the years, you know, but over the time we knew each other and all these conversations, um, I saw that very clearly. And so anyway, we decided, because we had both helped people, we decided to do this study to see if we could prove this on a large scale. We did no testing, we did no supplementation, we only used our experience and our understanding with people who, some of them, had been sick for 40 years. There was this one woman who, I think she was diagnosed when she was 26, and when she came on the study, she was 66. There was another gentleman, oh God, I just love him, but he had been in a wheelchair since, I'm gonna get these dates wrong, but just to give you an idea, like he had, He hadn't climbed a flight of stairs since, like, 2007 and had been in a wheelchair uh, since, like, 2014 or something like that. So he was really really sick for a long time. And he's skateboarding now and gardening and this woman's traveling around, you know, like, every – and it was only – it was eight weeks of this program that has now become the foundations of – that's not a shameless plug, but it's now called Foundations Mm -hmm. of Health. Maybe it is a shameless plug. I don't know. I didn't mean it. (laughs) But anyway. But yeah, and – So the, uh, my, I took a while to catch up to my uh aha because I didn't see it as purely as John because I had all this other expertise, you know, piled on, but now I, I, I love to say, God, if I could only get out, if I could only get back the years I've spent trying to extend my life, you know, like I used to be like those you know, the naturopaths you see at Whole Foods with their pill boxes and supplements and, you know, like, all the stress and red alert and hypervigilance for your health and nutrition and and longevity and you know lengthening your telomeres and all that stuff all that hypervigilance the same as my hypervigilance about what hypervigilance about anything mm-hmm. you know the, the body doesn't recognize whether it's 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 not specific whether you're hypervigilant about your diet or your you know your worry about your symptoms or your anxiety or what people think of you hypervigilance is hypervigilance and it's coming from fear, and it creates massive amounts of inflammation. So when I work with people, this is kind of the end of, I guess, what I saw, but when I work with people, it's just seeing those places in their lives where they're, they're, they don't trust, what do you want to call it, nature, or the God within, or their internal GPS, or whatever, when they don't trust that that's gonna lead them, right, um, that they try to take over for that thing, and that hypervigilance is actually the thing that's making them suck and depending on your genetic achilles heel you know depending on where the chinks are in your armor that that can lead to depression and mood disorders depression anxiety you know insomnia those kinds of things it can lead to chronic fatigue heart disease can lead to cancer depends on your snowflake of a genome but
1: you know that that whole thing just reminds me of a joke, by the way. So I'm just going to paraphrase it. It's like, well, giving up ice cream and red wine and going to the gym every day doesn't actually help you to live longer. It just feels like it. And you know, there's a bit of that at play, right? Because what I'm hearing from you and this, the, for me, the one of one of the beautiful messages in Anita's book, Dying to Be Me, which, as I said in the intro, that's probably the book I've gifted the most to people because it's it's so profound. The messages in that. Um, occasionally I still come across people that haven't read it I can't believe that but anyway I think one of the most profound messages in there is the toxicity of fear and that's what I'm hearing from you really that that that, like our fear fearful way of living a fearful way of living a healthy life is actually what's leading us to live an unhealthy life
0: y- yeah Yeah, but well, because somewhere along the line, we've been taught, well, very young age, you know, it starts with those messages like, clean your plate, but I'm not hungry. doesn't matter. There's kids starving, you know, or eat, eat two more bites of broccoli, you know, or you really shouldn't have seconds, but I'm still hungry, you know, like, or don't laugh. That's not funny. That's not ladylike. Blah, 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 you know, and then also the messages of fake it till you make it burn the midnight oil we're constantly bombarded with these messages to ignore the thing that is you know we have the same thing in us that makes the lion looks looks at the it doesn't look at the antelope and go hmm i just ate yesterday maybe i shouldn't <laughs> and the antelope doesn't look at the lion and go would it be rude to run you know it, it, like raccoons and domesticated they you know our domestic slash wild animals, they don't look on, you know, Craigslist for the best place to get food. Like it's built in man is part of nature, not apart from nature. We have this gift of a prefrontal cortex so we can use our divine gift of thought, you know, and and make our lives really interesting or really shitty, depending on how you happen to be using that gift. But it doesn't mean we're separate from that just means um, we are consciously aware of it. I don't know. I'm going down a rabbit hole with that. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah, we have sure. it in us. And when we, when we kind of take our hands off the wheel, which isn't hooked up to anything anyway. You know, John loves to use this metaphor of um, when you go to the grocery store, you ever see those? those little trolleys, the like the baskets with fake cars in the front. So the kid can go in the car and feel like they're driving. He loves to use it. Like we're like the kid on with our wheels, with our hands on that wheel. It's not hooked to anything. We think it is, but you know, our fear makes us white knuckle that wheel and try to control where the car's going. And something's got us. Something's got us anyway. And we kind of learn to lean into that. Even if you're afraid.
1: So can you expand and then expand on this? If, if I'm listening to this and I think, okay, so what you're really saying is if I really want some ice cream, I could just go and have the ice cream.
0: <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, well, what happened? Go
1: ahead. Well, I'm just kind of thinking, yeah, but then what if I just live off ice cream? But there's a missing piece in all of this, I think. In, 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 well, for me, anyway, how I look at this is instead of instead of being driven, if you like, directed by my fear be allow myself, allowing myself to be directed by love and following joy. So sure. Having an ice cream that might be a a joyous thing to do, but living off ice cream is probably not a particularly loving thing to do. What's your take on that?
0: Yeah, but you don't have to worry about that anyway, because your body is always, always on your side and constantly giving you feedback. Um so I, I run this program called Weightless. And on the program I talk about, you know, when you take your hands off the wheel and learn to listen to your body. You know, um, there's sorry, I'm squirreling. I call that squirreling when I when I get an idea to fill in something before the sentence I'm about to say. <laughs> um there's a book that um Michael Neal co-wrote with I think Paul McKenna, I Can Make You Thin. Yeah. And they cite a study in there when they took a bunch of three-year-olds and let them eat, like they filled a room, for for 30 days, they let them eat whatever they wanted. And of course when they first started, it was candies and cookies and ice cream and whatever. But eventually after the 30 days, they said like they they ate a very healthy diet, even though they had access to whatever they wanted. So I talked about that study on this program, and a a woman on the study said, yeah, it's been, I'm doing the three-year-old experiment." experiment and i feel like crap it's not working you know like she was letting herself have whatever she wanted well you feel like crap it's working perfectly yeah you know if you eat if you overindulge in ice cream or anything your body's gonna go uh no and you're gonna continue to feel like crap and it's gonna get louder and louder and louder until you stop or get sick you know it's always on your side anita's body was always on her side. Even when she was riddled with lymphoma and golf ball sized tumors all over, it was still saying, Hey, Hey, wrong direction. You know, it's always pointing you back home. Mm-hmm. So, so.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering about for you then what, you know, if, if if I had, you know, a Karen webcam watching your life personally and professionally, um, what would look different? What would I see that's different?
0: Well, I mean, if you take, just take one aspect. So watching me eat is like, I love health science. You know, it didn't go away just because I have this energy PS I'm just like, I have books and books, but it comes from a, a place of experiment and uh, experimentation and playfulness. Um, so... Like I read the 80-10-10 diet. It's a, a raw, frugitarian kind of thing. And you you read it, and like all oh, the science. is Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, okay, we we are kind of like chimpanzees. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so only eat free. Right. Okay, I tried that, and I still maintain some of the things I learned from there, but I'm certainly not doing that. I love, you know, I love cooked food. I love to eat. I'm such a foodie. But there's a an element of play to it. Like right now, instead of having um, my first meal of the day, I'm having bone broth with like a scoop of dirt. I don't know what it is. It's like this. I got it at a health food store. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll try that. But it's very playful. You know, I experiment with things, and I pay attention to how my body feels on them. It's not because some guru wrote it in a book. It's like, oh, I'll try that. So so in regard to food, you'd see me pretty much not only eating whatever I want, but also playing playing with myself, Phil. I like to play with myself. <laughs> you know, same with supplements. I'm really into Paul Stamets' um, a micro microbiologist, you know um but he's been on a lot of like joe rogan really into you know mushrooms and their intergalactic species and i love listening to this guy he's just so into talk about genius in what he does so i bought some of his mushroom things and i'm trying some of that and seeing him like oh god that yeah i'm definitely detoxing you know but it's all about play and experimentation now i moved last june this is another thing that you know Instead, you said um, airbrushing photos, airbrushing a coach's life. I moved last June for the, I think it was like the 16th time in 18 years. We moved house from Woodland Hills. Well, not, it was like, you know, 20 miles up the road, but it was a full move, kids changing schools and whatever. And as my friend was helping us, we were taking a break from moving the stuff into the new house. And my friend, who smokes, said, Come with me i to take a break? I'm like, oh gosh, yeah. And she offers me a cigarette. Now, I haven't smoked since, let's see, it was like 2000, when did I get my boobs done? <laughs> <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped smoking because my daughter climbed into bed with me and told me my boobies look like pickles. And I was like, oh God, yeah, we're fixing that. <laughs> so, so in preparation for the surgery that returned them to something that looked more like the fruit of my youth, I stopped smoking and i didn't you know so i'd walked out of my closet smoking habit and then that day with my friend i walked back in wow. and it's been so now it's uh i just wrote a thing called finding god at the gas station about buying a pack of cigarettes in shame and um <laughs> And the guy at the gas station asking me what I do for a living. And I'm like, Well, I'm a, been a nurse for twenty two years and I'm a coach and whatever and while the, if if I was on if I was on psychedelics right then the box of cigarettes <laughs> on the counter would have started laughing at me and saying, Tell him the truth, you hypocrite. <laughs> you're just a m you're just oh, that's what he said. He's like, Are you just a housewife? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Of course, he thinks I'm just a housewife. You know, how could I be a coach? I'm smoking and blah, blah, blah. Like, this whole chatter in my head went off on me, just like at the back of the shed, beating me up. But that's but so why I wrote about it. Like, I'll walk out of my closet again someday. But those 20 friends in a box help me through another move, you know? <laughs> and they're starting to, you know, and then because I also do yoga and I also run, you know, and i so it's like there's this, yeah. The scoundrel in me is picked up the pack of cigarettes again. You know.
1: You know. You. I'm sure you've heard. It's it's a common kind of question or exercise in a lot of coaches' training. There was there was a um. The the last one that I went to in Santa Monica in 20 I don't know whenever it was 2016 2015 something like that. Um, in the community that I used to be part of, and one of the exercises was. I want you to consider what you would do, you know, if you only had like a week to live or a year to live. And um, it's like, I think the purpose of those kind of inquiries are, you know, to have you like, look deep inside you, what's the kind of legacy you want to leave. Um, And and by the way, I love Steve Chandler's take on that. I think I've heard him being interviewed and asked, you know, how do you want to be remembered? And he's like, be remembered oh my god how how egotistic is that that we want people to remember us even when we're dead i mean come on but uh, you know (laughs) the only thing i could come up with was like oh if i've only got like a year or a week to live i'd probably just spend much more time going out and getting drunk with my mates i mean really like i'm okay i could spend the final year of my life building schools in africa and and whatever you but really yeah, I, I think I would just spend much more time socializing with with friends and maybe drinking more red wine.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, you'd put down the masks really quickly, wouldn't you? And it's and you know it's all about love and connection. That's where we get. That's where we get our juice from.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. So since then, and it hasn't all been plain sailing. What is it you perhaps feel you have still struggled with?
0: Um, I just wrote that in Finding God at the gas station, I, it was kind of like a, an outpouring of, it's like me going to the confessional. I, I'm in this program called Emerging Voices with Michael Neal and I, and the better, a better title for the program with me, for me would be merging voices. You know, it was, I have this blog called the naked lady and that was my, when I was starting to get into this spirit, you know, after the puddle of snot and tears moment in this, this encounter with a native American medicine man that made me cracked, just crack me open. Like, cause I was raised very strict Catholic and I had an experience during that ceremony with him. And I'm like, Oh my God. And my scaffolding of my life just collapsed. Like, okay, if that's not true, what else isn't true? So I went down this road, as many of us do. It's like, okay, shamanism. Okay. Um, crystals okay angels okay you know and like and so the naked lady came about because i'm like all my friends you know who are kind of ahead of me a quote unquote ahead of me on this journey i'd be like all right guys i don't get it like am i, I okay i can't play to pray to this separate entity white bearded man in the sky anymore that sucks because i really liked having someone to pray to but okay is it the grandmothers and grandfathers of the four directions or is it the ascended masters or is it my like who who do i talk to <laughs> like and they would just laugh at me and, and just say, like, you're so naked. I'm like, well, I don't get it. Like, who can keep this shit straight? Who's right? I need the truth. And so I just started writing about it. And because I had a business, a legit business, <laughs> you know, Phil, I had, I didn't see, I was still having masks. I had my anonymity of my blog, The Naked Lady. I had my business called Get Care. And I had this mom-wife person in the center called Karen DeMarco. And I didn't see that I was still, they were more integrated masks, but they were still masks. And through this program, I've seen, that's what I've struggled with. To answer your question, it's like, just, oh, I can just show up as myself. Whether I'm showing up as myself, you know, sitting here with you or with my kids or whatever, and my confused, flawed, not getting itself. You know, I used to beat the shit up. Looking around, you know, you go to a three principles thing, and you see all these people like having these moments, and you're like... Oh geez, I do. I must not get it. <laughs> like, I must not get it. And I, I, I built. You ever see those hamster balls? You know, like you put a hamster, and it's like a clear plastic yeah, ball. It's yeah. like it's like this perfect combination of like torture and cuteness. <laughs> I feel like I, I made up what getting it meant. Mm-hmm. So I, I put myself in this clear plastic ball where I'm running, you know, trying to find the hatch. Like I, the, the pl- clear plastic ball is made up of my expectations, my made up expectations of what getting it would mean. You know, I'd look like the people on stage at the three pre-convention, you know, conference, like, like Dick and Bettinger, you know, just like glows when you go like, okay, I must not get it. Cause I don't, I'm not glowing. Okay. Run faster. Find the hatch. Get out of this ball, this clear plastic ball. So my struggle was trying to get something that I made up. If I just got it, then I'd be okay. Then I'd I'd have freedom on the outside of this ball. And it was a new level of surrender and acceptance of myself. Like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of okay in this ball. Like there's a lot of people, my friends are in this ball with me. And we sometimes press our butts up against the clear plastic thing and, you know, like and make blowfish faces at each other. You know, like there's a lot to be said for being in this ball of not getting it. And the writing that comes through me when I don't get it, it's just, to me, I make myself like, it's just hilarious. You know, it's just coming from a very naked, real, funny place. Um, and I like it in here. And, and sometimes I'm even like, God, I hope I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because what, what's fun with, how funny was that? That's not, you know, then you're like all spiritual and enlightened and stuff. But, you know, even the people like, I love to watch Muji. You know, Muji. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's like he's like Jamaican Santa Claus. I just I just love him, and um, but he's laughing all the time. You know, and he's he makes fun of himself. He makes fun of you know. So I made up that getting it would make me this airbrushed coach. You know, um, it just looks to I mean,
1: me that 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 all that you describe that whole confusion, like. <laughs> It reminds me, I think it reminds me of a meme that says something like the three stages of life are birth what the fuck is this and then death <laughs> <laughs> and that's like pretty much it and i just think yeah yeah and it's okay to be thinking what the fuck is this what what's going on and to be confused and sometimes upset and sad and anxious and scared just that whole mix and i think once we stop putting so much effort into trying to avoid that it all well for one thing it it seems to become easier but also I see what well, I often describe like to, to my clients I I I sound very self-centered but we're all ultimately self-centered anyway aren't we but I think I'm living my own sitcom that's it and 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 there's like a shift for me instead of looking at life as a documentary it, it is very much like a, a sitcom some sometimes it's a Tragic romantic sitcom, but it is definitely a sitcom.
0: Yeah, I love that. You never know what you're going to get. But yeah, you just reminded me. Okay, do you, do you know Richard Rohr? Actually, don't think I do. Richard, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan, but way, a Franciscan uh, priest, um, but way, way upstream. Like, he's got – it's it's amazing that he hasn't been excommunicated, but he, he even says that. <laughs> um, he wrote this – so I, I subscribe to – is it okay if I read this little of thing? Of course, it's just, yeah. Bring it all on. All right, so, so whether you're Christian – so he uses the words Christian and mentions Jesus, but it's the message. You know, it's the message. It's not – you know, mm-hmm. so whether – no matter – I think it's ep- – you could change the words around if you want, but it's it's the message. Or upstream. don't,
1: because I don't mind offending people on my podcast, so just bring it oh, on. Okay,
0: fine. The <laughs> the point of the christian life is not to distinguish oneself from the ungodly but to stand in radical solidarity with everyone and everything else this is the intended effect of the incarnation symbolized by the cross god's great act of solidarity instead of judgment without a doubt jesus perfectly exemplified this seeing and thus passed it on to the rest of history this is now how we are to imitate jesus the good jewish man who saw and called forth to divine and Gentiles like the Syro-Phoenician woman and the Roman centurions, centurions, and Jewish tax tax collectors who collaborated with the empire, and zealots who opposed it, and sinners of all stripes, and Enoch's astrologers, and all those outside the law. Jesus had no trouble whatsoever with otherness. In fact, these lost sheep found out they were not lost to him at all and tended to become his best followers.
1: Mm, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And, and again, that kind of reminds me of something that I see doing the rounds a lot um, uh, you know, on social media is the idea of mm, looks like living an egoless life, you know, transcend the ego, transcend the idea of the separate self. And that to me just looks like perhaps the ultimate egotistic idea of living an egoless life, whereas to um, allow self love is to embrace everything that we are including all of our crazy ideas, including our ego, including our fears, um, including all of that confusion, including that hamster and that little ball. At least that's how it looks to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's kill the ego, scorch the ego, know, give it a little hug, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's, that's it when you know my, 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 puddle of snot and tears moment came when I just accepted, I'm not gonna be able to get rid of this thing, you know, it's me, it's it's how I incarnated as this, I love how Alan Watts calls it, this scoundrel, this rascal, this broken liar, but also this, you know, lover. You know, I just love to connect with people and to listen to them And to see their rascal and tell them, let's let's both give it a hug, you know, because there's where enlightenment comes, I think, you know, there's where peace comes, where you just embrace the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it looks to me really that like enlightenment's not the path to love, it's love that is the path to enlightenment, like so that whole, the acceptance of a self and all that we are, as in that is self-love um mm-hmm. is is really perhaps the path to enlightenment. And you know you remind me, mean, I've mentioned this question numerous times on this podcast, but it really did just remind me one of my mentors, Robert Holden, has this beautiful question, which is, What's it like to be you when you're not trying to be somebody? Including trying to be yourself. Like what's it like to be you when you're not trying to be somebody? Not trying to, you know, hold up that facade or wear that mask. Just really just not trying to be anyone and yeah I,
0: yeah that's a, <laughs> is that a question to
1: answer well like i just it just i just i'm just throwing it out there perhaps for the for the listeners because it's it's everybody that I've asked that question like in a coaching session or any kind of conversation the natural response seems to be one of just freedom of feeling free. So Karen, tell us a little bit more about your, your business, because, you know, I, I, your energy, and how you talk about all this stuff that you're, you know, you're very energetic about it, very passionate about it and very playful about it. Love all of that. How have you managed to make a business out of all of this? So, you know, how how does your business perhaps changed since, um, if it has indeed changed since having your... <laughs> Snotty crying moment and whatever you and and how how do people find you and work with you nowadays?
0: Well, my my business has evolved it continues to evolve like I say, you know, I play with supplementation I play with my, you know, I'm such a geek though. Like I mean, I (laughs) I All the kids in my family have this ability to remember what we read You know, I wouldn't call it exactly a photographic memory because I have to be interested in the subject, you know, but I can kind of synthesize it and distill it so I can take a bit of quantum physics and molecular biology and neurotransmitters and what's going on in your nervous system your sympathetic and whatever and point you upstream and then explain how that works in the body. So that's one of the things I love to make those connections, like, oh, my gosh, this is why that works because, you know, you're... I can explain why a woman would, you know, I I can show you in a very simple to digest way how when a woman gives up on the IVF and decides to adopt, she ends up getting pregnant. You know, but not just saying it because everyone's heard those stories, but why that happens. You know, why when you, your thyroid level will come back to its natural, you know, your body's trying to make you tired. You know, I see everything inside out. Your body is trying, like I used to do my my own neurotransmitter testing and try to fix it. You know, oh I'm not motivated. Oh, I'm tired. Okay, supplement to fix it. Now I recently did it and I see it and I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to be motivated right now. Oh, I'm not supposed to be creative right now. I'm my body's tired, my brain my nervous system's a bit run down and stop trying so hard. You know, so I guess when people come to me, it's I take my medical health science and this inside out understanding. Um, and I can put it all together and show you why it works, you know, for you. So it bypasses the critical factor because people are, you know, they really, like I said in the beginning, our bodies are so solid. Yeah, I can see how it applies to my career and to my relationships and to, you know, whatever, but my body, but my health, you know, it can't possibly, this, this meat suit is solid, but it's not. Um, so, you know, my website right now, it's getting rid of, I'm killing the naked lady and I'm killing get care as a result of this program. And it's eventually just going to be Karen DeMarco.com, but still there's GetCare, G-E-T-K-A-R-E.com. And if if people want to contact me, but you no, know, I like to collaborate. I love to, you know, get together with people like you and that's what can we do together? You know, <laughs> I loved working with John. I, um, but yeah, I do one-to-one work, but I love to do collaborations and speaking and, I love writing.
1: And you know, one thing I picked up on and I asked you this question, like, oh, how are people finding you? You're still talking about how it is you help people. And I think for, if the coach is listening to this, that's a really important point, right? Because I know there was a time when I didn't really know, or I didn't really know how or what it was I was going to help people and where I, I'm going to take them from A to B and maybe on to C, but I didn't know where A was in their eyes, you know, in their language, in their words. And I, I kind of knew where B was in my in my language, oh, you're going to feel much more peace and love and live a joyous life. But that wasn't what they were looking for when they were at point A. So I really, what I'm hearing in you is you, you, you're very much aware of, you know, you're really in touch with how it is you're helping people. <laughs> but I still wanted to know, well, what is it? How are you connecting with? What is it you're doing? How are you connecting okay, with people? Well,
0: maybe because it's just so new to me. Because yeah. the, how I used to, I mean, when I say used to, I mean like a couple of months ago until I saw something very profound about this merging of the voices thing, I used to strategize, okay, what's my list of services? How do I market myself? How do I tell people how I can help them? Now, when I killed the naked lady in Get Care and just started speaking my truth as Karen DeMarco, you know, just balls out, people don't like me, they don't like me, but whatever, (laughs) just speaking as myself. People are coming to me and telling me what they want from me. They're telling me how I can serve them. So my advice what I've seen recently is turn up as yourself whether that's through a podcast or writing something on Facebook or just talking to somebody in the grocery store turn up as yourself and people will know what they need from you and you don't have to have a list of services or whatever they're just like but and the people who come are perfect for you because they're coming to you not to your business name or not to your anonymous blog or whatever but they are coming to you
1: love it. does that make sense yes absolutely yeah. love it absolutely love it thank you for giving me the snippet that I'll be putting at the front of the episode that's good thank you um so I'm wondering what's life like for you outside of all of that work I mean is there <laughs> I know you have kids right so what what's life like when you're not working if you're ever not working
0: um well it's it's funny I used to I I really thought that I needed a Mary Poppins kind of nanny plus a tutor plus a chef plus a bloody bloody blah, in order to get out of my life in order to do the work I was meant to do. But what I've seen so clearly lately, I love to be in the chaos of my life, you know, waking up in the morning, trying to get in a yoga workout, waking up in the morning, getting the kids off to school, and then the funniest shit happens. Like the other day, my daughter and I have a date every Wednesday. I take her for she starts school a little later on Wednesday and we go for a coffee. It's like a tradition. So we get the coffee. This is like two weeks ago. We get the coffee and she's got our little dog, Mr. Big. He's a Boston Terrier and he's got his paws on her chest and she's holding him. And her cell phone is between her legs beneath Mr. Big's butt. OK, so we pull up to the school and she gets out. She you know, t- takes big off of her. She picks up her phone. And there's like this brown liquid on the phone. So she's like, oh, did I spill her, my coffee? She takes a sleeve of her sweatshirt oh. and wipes off the phone. Oh. And then the smell hits us. His anal gland, <laughs> <laughs> like the dog's like an anal gland squirted on her phone and she smelled. She had to go in. I'm like, Quick get in the car. I'll take you back home. You can't go in there smelling like dead fish and old pennies. And she's like, I have a presentation first thing. So poor thing has to go in and stand at the front of the classroom. And the smell is so bad. She's like, mom, everybody at the front was like looking around and going, what is that smell? And nobody paid attention. to my presentation. So I don't want to miss those, you know, like, It's, it's, it's so full of life. It's so hilarious. And when we try to sugarcoat life or that stuff doesn't happen or I want to be there when my, my daughter Sophia started riding, she fell off a horse, you know, uh, she's fallen off a bunch of times, but there was this one, she really ate dirt. I want to be there. And so, so yeah, so I'm, you know, taking care of my kids. I got about like from nine, nine o'clock in the morning to about two o'clock PM to work you know, and then sometimes I'll do a call in the evening, but it's usually I'm on the phone with you, you know, and it's never like a, okay, we have to hold space and, you know, do this whole coaching thing. Like I might be, you know, making meatballs and spaghetti and gotcha, you, gotcha you the phone in the crook of my, cause you just need a check in. And my clients know that about me, you know, you're coming into my life with me, you know, and I, you are in my constant consciousness, but when you come into the fold, you come into my life. And, and I'm such a ditz, like, my clients also know, like I, I get squirrel. I am riddled with ADD, and I might have a ten o'clock call with you, and I was walking my dog, and I forgot. <laughs> 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 and so, Karen, we have oh, oh, but see, the kind of people that I attract, they they know I they're in the fold of my life, and sometimes not often, you know. But that's that stuff might happen with Karen, not often, but. Yeah, can we at a 10 o'clock? Oh, God, that's right. How come the thing on my calendar and my computer doesn't populate my phone and tell me the, I don't know.
1: Well, I'm wondering <laughs> if there's anything that goes on that you really would like to change. Because we could sit there and say, you know what? it's all perfect, and I love it, and yes, I screw up, and whatever, and that's wonderful. Is there anything that it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, there it is again. I really must do something about this.
0: Well, the thing that keeps coming up is, like, I feel like such a hypocrite, you know, when I with the, with the smoking thing. Like, you know, and it's, it's like, oh, this again, you know, and it's like, I go for a run and I, you know, start to feel it and, and it, you know, you you help people with different kinds of addictions and here you are, you know, like, (laughs) so, so yeah, that's one thing that it it kind of bothers me, but I'm also trying not to let it because what better way to soothe yourself when you're beating yourself up for smoking than to have a cigarette, right? So, (laughs) uh, Yeah. so so there's yeah there's that and uh not and it's certainly not perfect you know um i i would really like to get myself to go back to crossfit but i'm just like uh, i'm 44 you know i don't know is there like something does that is that
1: what you're asking? Is there- well, no, but I just I I well yes I know, but be, because what I'm looking to do is to show people you. But I think you already do that really as part of your work. So you kind of make it's not making my my job here particularly easy because like you it, it, you come across as well, you're already showing everything. You're already the people who come and they connect with you. You know, what they see is what they get, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> I was gonna say, if there's anything, I'd like to be more of that, and I don't think I really can be. You know, like I'm the first to tell the most embarrassing. Like I'll start off a session or a course or (laughs) with with my couple most embarrassing moments of my life. Mm. You know, and it's, and it, and it breaks the ice and makes us all feel more human and just you know. That's why when have you ever done psychedelics? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can. Okay. No, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> well, one of one of the things that happens, like I, you know, in my in my my forties, I'm not saying I've started experimenting, but I've read, you know, Michael Pollan's "How to Change Your Mind." Um, you know, I went down a rabbit hole with Paul Stamets. There's lots of research being done at the Mayo Clinic, and you know, things like this is making a resurgence for people with cancer and people with uh, wicked addictions and whatever. They're having these unfortunately very commercialized ayahuasca tours that you know the Uber wealthy, the rich, rich and famous are talking about going on, but you know, in in my limited experience, when you do that, like all, like the veil comes down, the ego kind of blows up and goes away, and you spend six hours just laughing your ass off, like laughing till no sound comes out, and I think it's just because in those moments you just get that everything is a cosmic joke, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's just we exhaust ourselves by trying to show up as somebody other than who we are. And, like you said, freedom. Who would you say that again? What was? What's it like to be?
1: What's it like to be you when you're not trying to be anybody?
0: Yeah, and I I think that that just points to. It's just so funny. We're all so funny.
1: I find it hilarious for sure. Yeah. yeah. If 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 you're not finding life very funny, then give me a call. I'll laugh at you for sure. Yeah. It's yeah, a new service. Yeah. I'll provide that. Take, so, take
0: uh, some magic mushrooms and then see what we mean. Really, and then you'll notice it. It's
1: <laughs> been really delightful talking to you. I've got one. Well, hang on. I need to get a serious face on here. So uh, one more, okay. one more question. <clears throat> yeah. So Karen, for you, what is the purpose of the work that you do? <laughs> It's a sincere yeah. question. I mean, it is a sincere question for you. What it, what what is the purpose of the work that you do?
0: If I could put it in a sentence, is it was if if my my place in the world is just to help people be who they are and not be afraid. I know that sounds kind of new agey and you know kind of, but it's it. That's not. That's all I know how to do. And it's,
1: I think it's really beautiful. I think it's really beautiful. And I might even edit out that bit of judgment that you added on at the end there, because.
0: But know. that's part of it, <laughs> you know. That's part of it. Just to help people be not be not not be afraid to be who they are, and I can show you all the health benefits and the mental health benefits and whatever. But it starts there. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Karen. It's been really a delight talking with you. Likewise. Well, that could be one of the most naked episodes we've done here. What a fun and real life conversation that was with Karen. This conversation all started from Karen mentioning Anita Morjani's book, dying to be me on Facebook if you haven't read it please do it may just change your entire relationship with fear and therefore change your life and just as Anita describes in her book Karen helps her clients see just how harmful our fears about life and our fears about being rejected can be she said when she works with people she helps them see their hypervigilance. I love that expression helps them to see the places in their lives where they are not trusting life or their inner guidance helping them see how when they try to take over and try to take control it is that that is often making them sick. I love Karen's passion and enthusiasm about playing and experimenting. She said, you know, there's that geek in her. I always encourage my clients to follow their joy, to help them see where they can be of service to others. Oh, and and that message there at the end, which I included as the opening clip, I had to. It's an absolute gem. Turn up as yourself, be it on a podcast, in a Facebook post, or a blog, or even in the grocery store. And as people come to know you, they will know what they need from you and because of that they are perfect for you because they're coming to you I love that that what an absolute gem Okay. So as always, I'd love to hear from you. What's your one big thing you're going to take away and use from this episode, please get in touch. And each month I'll be selecting someone from listeners like you that get in contact with me to have a follow-up conversation that may be featured in a future episode of this podcast. What's your one big thing you're going to use that you've got from this conversation? And let me just ask you to do this one other thing. I want to get this podcast out to help as many coaches as possible. You can play a huge part in that by sharing it with your community and by taking just one minute to leave an honest review on iTunes. That will really help me help other coaches like you. Okay, that's more than enough from me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Coaching Life podcast. Thank you once again for listening. I wish you much love and joy.